All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Thanks for joining me tonight. This is April with Eyes for the Road. And tonight, we're going to the edge. The edge, the beach, ooh, the Salton Sea, a beach in the middle of the desert, the largest lake in California. Wait, what? All right, so let me explain. The Salton Sea, it is the largest lake in California. It covers 35 miles, but yet it also sits below sea level, about five feet or so below sea level in points and it's shrinking. If you Google Salton Sea, you'll hear all about the controversy. If it goes extinct, so to speak, and disappears, what's gonna happen? I mean, you've got this sea, you've got this farm fields around it, and you've got the runoff feeding the lake. If it dries up with the winds out there in the desert, now you're blowing toxic dust back over Los Angeles. Wow. So there's a lot of controversy about the Salton Sea, but I'm going to approach this from the fact that it's a really interesting place to go. And it's actually really photogenic. So from a photographer's standpoint, I would go check out the Salton Sea before it becomes extinct or before it becomes too dangerous to go there and breathe the toxic dust. So the Salton Sea, I would advise going there between November, say, to February, March, the cooler months, because it is literally in the middle of the desert, probably about an hour south of Palm Springs, maybe barely... 30 miles north of the Mexico border. So you're talking hot, dry winds and a flat lake. Interesting, huh? And at times when you're walking around the edges, you see you're stepping on bones. You're stepping on the bones of thousands of dead fish. You see the Salton Sea is salty. It's got a higher salinity than the ocean but yet slightly less salty than the Great Salt Lake in Utah. So you've got this combination of the salt and these fish, which at times are swimming and do provide an environment for the many, many birds that winter over here. It is a birder's destination. Again, I think the second destination for the most different, diverse species of birds is in Texas, Big Bend. So it really is a place that needs to be saved. But aside from that, let's get back to the photography. So as I mentioned, it is the largest lake in California and it's shallow and it's still. So you get these beautiful flat reflections. Imagine a sunrise or a sunset, pinks and blues that's just flat. It's just like a great big mirror. And then on the edge, you've got this kind of beach, but yet it's not fine sand. It's 
When you get up close to it, it's little tiny bones, as I mentioned. And because of the heat, going back to what I said earlier, I would visit between November, ideally, and say February and March. And this also coincides with the bird migration. This is a huge stopover for migratory birds. You see species of birds here that you won't see any other place unless you travel to distant parts of the world. So we're talking about the largest lake in California. We're talking about not only a place to see birds and wildlife and amazing sunrises and sunsets, but you've got this also unique group of people that have chosen to make the Salton Sea home. You see, back in the 1960s, this was a happening place. There was a lot of water flowing into the Salton Sea and the developers really turned it into, you know, hey, another great place to have boats and jet skis and water skis and parties. Heck, the Beach Boys performed here. You had Frank Sinatra coming out here. It was really a happening place. So there for a while, you had this boom community. And then disaster. Too much water, flat area, and it literally flooded out parts of the cities that lined the beach, well, lined the, the sands, the edge of the lake. So as the lake shrunk back, the fish started dying off, the stench of the salt and the dying fish, whew, that kind of did the place in. So hence, fast forward to today, as I mentioned, we still have this environment in flux. If the state doesn't step in and do something to increase the amount of water, the Salton Sea does stand the chance of literally drying up and disappearing, taking away this valuable place for all of these birds that need this in the winter to rest over during the migratory season. So November is a great time to visit as well as January. I've been in both months. Your sunrise is around 6 o'clock in the morning and sunset is around 6-ish. For exact times on this, there's a website called sunrisesunset.com. Plug in Salton Sea or Brawley, California is one of the near, nearest towns. And it will give you exact times so you can plan to be there for the sunrise, the pinks, the blues. And then conversely, at the end of day, after the sun sets, you get this incredible blues and this stillness and the birds that are like reflected in the water as they, you know, are hanging out, fishing. It's just a really serene, almost creepy, quiet place. So birding, sunrises, sunsets, and did I not mention the artists' communities? Near the Salton Sea, you've got a place called Salvation Mountain. Hmm, wow. You know, you're on the edge of death and dying here with this Salton Sea, and now you've got a, an odd bird, someone that went out to the desert and literally started creating his creation to what he believed in. God is love, is all over, Bible verses, kind of a mountain made out of adobe. Actually, the Folk Art Association of America has stepped in to try to preserve this as a, what should I say, an artist's 
kind of a monument to, to one man's livelihood of making his art in the desert. Worth a stop, worth a visit. He employed techniques from the local native peoples, the Navajo, who used adobe, mud, and straw. And that's how he built this mountain and then covered it in paint. So there is a small group that continues to keep the mountain of painted pictures and Bible verses and tunnels and and you can go inside and it's it's kind of it's kind of like the mad hatter out in the middle of the desert. So you'll probably want to spend a little bit of time there roaming around. There's actually steps that go to the top of the mountain. You can go inside. He's used there's trees that kind of come up through his sculpted dome and mountain to kind of provide a a refuge from the sun. The sun beats down here in the summer. You can just imagine. I don't know how anyone lives out there 365 days of the year, but there are some hardy souls. This is one of these places that's still off the grid. Land is cheap. Um, you can find a place to make a plot and claim it. Going down the road from Salvation Mountain, you end up in a place called Slab City. This used to be a naval base, uh, army training area, which has now been left abandoned and has been taken over by odd desert characters. People that, again, for whatever reason, just left the cities and moved out here. So it's an odd bunch of people. I would, I would advise always traveling with a buddy out here. Continuing past Slab City, you'll come to something called East Jesus. Check out their website at eastjesus.org. It kind of explains their mission. Again, an artist, eclectic artist community. It's got an incredible outdoor sculpture garden, all crafted from recycled materials. You've got sculptures made out of old TVs, plastic hunting decoys, mannequins, walls of bottles and glass, a bus buried in the ground, old, just whatever. Whatever they collected, an artist would turn it into a sculpture. A really interesting place. And if you go to eastjesus.org, their website, they kind of lay down the rules. The sculpture garden is open every day of the year, basically from sunrise to sunset. You want to be respectful of the people there. They do allow people to come and stay. Um, they do want a donation for that. If you take any photography here at East Jesus, they do ask if you post it on public places like Flickr, Facebook, Instagram, that you tag all of the photos with eastjesus.org and try to attribute the art to the appropriate artist. They do live, as I said, kind of off the grid and they're you know, they're really creative, but again, it's not fair to just sell those, your pictures of someone else's art. So a little bit of respect, but definitely worth a stop. You could easily spend a couple hours there wandering the outdoor sculpture garden. Uh, you've got windmills made with old bicycle wheels. You've got, you know, funky houses. It's just really interesting. The creativity from discarded items, things that we would have just thrown away, you know, we've kind of a throwaway society. 
You'll pass cars that are covered with old plastic Instamatic cameras and dice and any, any found item they put to use. So if you do visit the website or do plan to go out, you might wanna check their website. They do have a list of items that they're looking for or that they need. So it might be nice if you do go out and visit to take them something. Um, they do accept donations as well, which I would advise. But be careful, right across from East Jesus is a place called West Satan. And West Satan and East Jesus, the people don't get along. That's exactly what my guide at East Jesus told me. So <laughs> heed their warning. The people at East Jesus are friendly and really are welcome and they want to share their art. They want to share their love, so to speak, their belief that everyone's, you know, respect each other out there and kind of have a place to live. So take a visit, go during the daylight, don't plan to stay too long. There's no public restrooms out in these places. So you want to, may want to keep that in mind when you make the trek out. Um, there is a little town called Nyland, not far from these two locations. And in Nyland, there is the Roadkill Cafe, I believe it's called. I will double check that on my notes. But they do have homemade Mexican food there, a large selection of breakfast items, and a bathroom. So it may be worth your stop to stop by, eat a snack. Coffee's not so great, so keep that in mind. But other than that, get a bite and use the restroom before you head out to these parts. If you do visit this area during the warmer months, you may want to plan time in the middle of your day to go back to your room and take a nap. Because when you start at sunrise and then you're out photographing in, these, in this bright light when the sun is out, you will get tired and be sure to stock up on water. It's easy to get dehydrated out here. So some thoughts on photography gear. If you're just kind of going out as such to see the Salton Sea, it's, it's huge. Like I said, 35 miles expanse. You can literally spend a good day driving around the edge and stopping at towns like Bombay Beach, the southern end is where the Sunny Bono Preserve is for the birds, kind of a birders area. And there is a trail that goes along the edge of the lake and does allow you, um, they have some telescopes out there so you can get a view of some of the birds in season. You see some beautiful pelicans with black tipped wings, something I usually don't see. There's a species of seagull that has yellow feet if you go to the Audubon Society's website, they do have a list of the many, many species of birds that winter over here. So I found in January, they also have a pelican festival. So maybe that's a good time to go. You see a lot of birds and you can just spend a lot of time enjoying walking the trails, seeing the birds, listening to the birds. It's quite an experience in the morning. So if you're gonna do some bird photography, you're going to want a long lens, something in the range of say a 100 to 400, something that's pretty fast. If you go with something that's say not a 100 to 400, you're gonna be getting maybe the 
the lay of the fields and then the birds rising up. You may be able to catch a flock of birds flying over you, but you won't be able to zoom in and get individual or detailed close-ups. You just can't get that close to these birds. They have a lot of protected areas and they do ask that you respect those, and as, as you should, respect these protected areas to give the birds safe haven, a place to rest. They have nesting areas. So keep, you know, pay attention to the signs, stay on the trails. If you walk out onto the beach areas, you know, again, watch for the signs and the markings and keep a distance, which is why you would want a good pair of binoculars if you just want to view the birds and see what you're seeing. Or you would want to, if you don't own a long lens, which many of us may not, you can go to sites like borrowlenses.com, lensrentals.com, have a nice lens like a 100 to 400 shipped to you and just have fun, you know, have fun trying to zoom in on the birds, anticipate their behavior, look for patterns, look, you know, when you hear something, they're going to fly up and anticipate how they're going to fly into your picture. If you're quiet and still, many times the birds will come closer to you. If you're making a lot of noise, hey, they're going to move away, away from you. So tread lightly and spend some time down there at the Sunny Bono Bird Preserve. And that's best viewed probably sunrise or sunset. That's when the birds are kind of in these places. Otherwise, during the day, they tend to be out, say, you know, seeking their fish, doing their thing. So sunrise and sunset are really good times to see the birds as such. There's a place called the Marina. I believe it's called Red Hill Marina. That's a good place to park your car and and walk. Just, just you can see where they used to have picnic tables and you'll see how the, the lake itself has really shrunk back. Be sure to wear, think about what kind of footwear you're wearing because the remaining residual, quote, beach where it's not the bones, such as at Red Hill Marina, it's really soft and fine, silty material. And if they've had any moisture, which we do get a little bit of rain at times in November, December, and January in California, it may be quite muddy. So you may want to wear a pair of, you know, like, coverall boots, um, rain boots, something to cover your lower leg. Um, what I recommend sometimes too is to clip your pant legs inside your boots and, you know, pay attention where you're walking because once you start walking out from where you left the car, it's really such a large expanse that looking back, you may get just, you know, just not even really be able to see where you left your car. There's that much distance from where you parked to if you really want to walk to the edge of the water, which is a nice walk. You'll see some interesting dead trees that are very sculptural and provide a great subject matter to compose in your photograph. Use what I call the rule of thirds when you're composing one of these images. It's nice to use the sculptural lines of the dead tree and put that in a third in from the right hand or left hand side of your image. Give your eye a place to rest. Vertical shots, same thing. If you come at sunrise, a lot of times you can catch 
the sun coming up the horizon and the beams of light coming out. Some really interesting, unique images can be made here. So I highly advise if you're in California, if you happen to come out in the holidays or you live somewhere where it's cold, this is a great place to come for photography. There's such a diverse amount of subject matter between the landscapes, between the reflective surfaces. There are a few areas where they have bubbling mud pots. Again, there's a lot of geothermal activity right below the surface. And the steam plants that you see is trying to harness that geothermal activity. And the first time I, I didn't even realize I saw the mud pots because I was standing there looking out at the beautiful sunset at the lake and I kind of heard this, this kind of like blurping, blurping noise, almost like someone was burping, but I was by myself and it, and it wasn't me. So I kind of looked, I looked out at the water. I'm like, what, what's going on? And then it kind of occurred to me, if you've ever been to Yellowstone, you know what I'm talking about, those mud pots, those bubbling pots of mud and, and, you know, pools of hot molten stuff. That's what's below the surface of the Salton Sea. And that's what you're hearing when you hear that. It's kind of a weird sound, but what a phenomenon. You're not gonna witness this anywhere else. So I highly suggest going. I also found a lot of people when they go in the summer months had told me, ah, it really stinks. Everything stinks because of the stench of the dead and dying fish left all over the edges of the lakes, uh, of the lake. but. Going in November and December, I don't know if it's the cooler weather, um, you know, something with the winds or not. I just really didn't, I didn't witness a smell as such or it was much diminished. So it may be a good time to go because I was really prepared like, ugh, this is going to be stinky and smelly and muddy and, and really what am I doing? But then I honestly, I went and the sunrises and sunsets, the pinks, the blues, the reflections, I got some incredible one-of-a-kind images that I really feel. In fact, I've been back now a few times, and I intend to go again because this is an environment that's endangered. Without further action from the state of California, this will be a place that won't be safe to visit and maybe just disappear completely. The shoreline keeps shrinking. You can see it when you go. It's very evident when you visit. So some tips besides birding photography, as I mentioned, long lens, you're gonna wanna handhold those, or if you're wanting to be stable, there are some, um, go to the Sunny Bono Preserve at the south end of the lake you'll find a birder's trail and a couple of blinds, kind of some elevated wooden areas. They provide a good vantage point to see the birds a little closer. For your landscape photos, a wide angle does a really nice job. Anything from super wide, like a 10 millimeter, um, maybe a 12 millimeter to a 24. The more expand I think you can include in your photograph, I just feel it's that much more impactful. Look for those dead trees. They provide a really nice place for your eye to rest. If you go to the Bombay Beach, drive through town and keep driving till you find the place that's safe to park your car. 
If you just drive out onto that sand, like I said, it's not hard packed. It's a fine silt. Many a car has gotten stranded out there on the beach. And believe me, it's going to be quite expensive to get your car towed out of there. But once you get to Bombay Beach, there's the remnants of what was the boat, the marina, the boat dock where the boats could come in. And it looks like a creepy pirate ship. I really don't have any other way to explain it. It's because the salt has encrusted itself on the old metal railings. You have a lone uh, light pole out there that's encrusted with this white caked on. It's basically looks like barnacles. It's the strangest thing. The only thing I can think of, it's a great place if you have someone with you. This is why for this whole area, I really advise going with a small group, a couple friends, a group of photographers, depending on your interest will really set the pace of your trip. If you really want to spend long periods of time photographing here, I would choose people that are interested in photographing because anyone else might get a little bored. Like, what are we looking at? Why are we standing here? But to be honest, just it's just such a unique environment. It's a hard to describe. It's hard to imagine such a place, this wide expanse. It almost looked like a mirage, honestly, driving down the highway. I kept looking off to the side and seeing this glittering, like, literally like a mirage in the desert where you think you're seeing water, but you're not. But in this case, you really are for 35 miles is the length of this thing. It's huge. So going back to the place with the encrusted rails and everything, it really looks like an old pirate ship straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean that's come up from the bottom of the ocean. This is a wonderful place for some perspective. Use a couple people that are in your group to stand out there and be a model because then you give that image some life. You give that image some of interest. When you're composing a photograph, you want something more than just a beautiful sunrise or sunset. There's thousands, maybe millions of photographs now on Instagram of sunrises and sunsets. But the ones that set them apart are images with something of interest. In this case, that creepy railing that kind of comes, it looks like the bow of a ship. And then you've got the light pole, almost like a flagpole at the front of it. Now you put a couple of people there, maybe one kind of with their leg up, kind of like he's, you know, pirate cook or whatever he is discovering the land or hi, I'm a pirate. That really adds, it tells a story, tells a story. To the left of this area, you actually have an old crane, a crusted, rusty crane that's just abandoned, stuck there in the sands forever. It's it's huge. It's never going to be moved. It's going to just continue to break down and let nature take it over. At sunset, the sun hits that coppery metal and gives it a golden glow. There's a lot of interesting angles you can work with that walk around it get there in fact before the moment you want to shut you know push the shutter button on your camera so you have time if this is your first visit to walk around the crane get high 
crouch down low, look for an interesting composition, work with the lines of this crane. You know, do you want to have the crane pointing out? Do you want to include part of the lake behind it? Do you want to wait and have the crane be part of, you know, the Technicolor sun sunset? How do you want to work this? So allow yourself some time. I would say in November and January, you maybe want to get here about four o'clock, 4.30, so you can walk the expanse and check what things are of interest to you. Because to the right of that angled, I, I'm going to call it a ship. I think it was, like I said, an area where the boats came in and docked, um, an old pier of some kind. But to the right of that area, you've got old pilings, probably, again, parts of where the boats came in and docked. And so they've got these odd old pieces of wood in various states of decay, covered again with this crusted white barnacle, it's calcium, caked on there, and then dead fish embedded into the sides of it as well. So interesting sculptural things to work with. Again, great images if you add a person, if you, depending on your angle, you get low. There's always odds and ends left out there. Uh, the last time I was out there, there was like an old metal chair just kind of tossed out there. So again, you can put that item in your image and use it to add interest to your photograph. So going back, get there around four o'clock if you're here to between November and say January, February. Use the Sunrise Sunset website to check your times and make good plans. Stay until it gets, you know, the sun drops. Wait for that blue hour. Just wait and see what happens because sometimes the sky will go blood red, sometimes it won't. But through your camera, your camera is going to pick up colors that your naked eye isn't always going to see. So don't rush off. Wait. Make some more images. Watch for the birds. You'll see some nice reflections. And then if you want to stay even later, I've seen some really nice night photography options. For the night images, you will need a tripod. You will want to set your tripod up. You'll probably want a wide angle lens on your tripod and on your camera. You'll want more than a cell phone for a good night image that's going to include, say, the Milky Way, maybe some stars, depending on the time of year. Um, when you use the sunrise sunset, dot com website it does show the phases of the moon and you can also get information as to where in the sky the milky way might be sitting because there may be a chance to see that as well you will have some residual light from behind you so it may work it may not work the longer you sit the longer exposures you may get some nice things and it's an opportunity to play and spend time learning your camera I do advise, again, in these areas, there are not a lot of people living out there. These are really poor areas. Bring a buddy. Always travel with a buddy. Bring a flashlight because if you do stay after dark, you'll want to you know, be able to safely walk back to your vehicle. So we've gone over some lens choices for sunrise, sunset. Uh, looking for the trees in the morning at Red Hill Marina. There's some wonderful trees out there. 
with the geothermal plants, you'll get some nice smoke kind of in the background, which can also influence the sky and the type of um, colors in the sky in the morning. I've gotten some incredible sunrises. In fact, one morning uh, we were headed to uh, Red Hill Marina to get set up. And as we were driving there and uh, going down these little flat farm roads, all of a sudden, I guess maybe I made a wrong turn. There's a lot of fields, so it's easy to make a wrong turn. And I see the sky start to turn. You know, the sun's coming up. I literally just pulled the car over and we photographed from there. We found an irrigation ditch which was capturing, because it had water in it, capturing the sky reflected into the ditch. But we also had this nice road as a leading line into our photograph. And the sky all of a sudden went, wow, blood red. With the cell phones even, it was picking up these colors. So you never know what kind of sunrise or sunset you're gonna get. In these months of November through January and February, as I mentioned, we get a little bit more change in the weather, so we have a little bit more opportunity for clouds and interesting uh, situations as far as the sky conditions. If you're really into the birding, I highly recommend going down to Sunny Bono. There's several different spots where you can pull off and observe the birds and look for the birds. Going back to the arts real quick as a summary, Salvation Mountain, Leonard King, their creator is no longer there. Interesting arts thing if you're into bright colors. It's just worth a stop, you know, it's, it's interesting. Also stop and see East Jesus. Recently, uh, the Salton Sea, again, in an effort to raise funds, raise awareness, they had a Biennale, which if you know what a Biennale is, it's a arts festival that they've had in Venice, Italy for years and years where artists come from all over the world. Well, this one was in at the Salton Sea at Bombay Beach. So they had artists doing theater. They had someone do an outdoor installation of like a drive-in theater. They had a ballet performance. They had music performances. This past year in 2017 was the first year they did the quote Salton Sea Biennale. So I don't know if it's something they intend to do again in two years or if they'll try to do it every year. So check the website. I'll include that in the links after in the show notes about the Biennale. I think that'd be kind of interesting, kind of like Coachella except most of us can't pay for a ticket to get into Coachella. The Salton Sea Biennale was free and open to the public. They were just looking for donations and trying to bring awareness to their community. The toxicity in the dust there has been evidence for years. The amount of cases of asthma, especially in the children there, is extremely high. So if you intend to get to the Salton Sea, I would do it soon. Plan your trip. If you're looking for a place to stay, Brawley has three or four different motels and hotels right on the main road. There's a couple different restaurants. There's a brand new, fairly new pizza place that has healthy pizzas, you know, some chicken entrees, but they everything does close up early. So maybe take yourself a cooler, bring plenty of water, bring some snacks, Check out a hotel that has a microwave so you have something to eat 
and set yourself up for a great trip to the Salton Sea. So I hope you enjoyed my quick little overview of a trip to the Salton Sea. Please check the website at eyesfortheroad.com. We'll include more notes as far as going over the lenses, suggested gear. I also offer a trip myself to the Salton Sea in both November and January. So visit fallphototrips.com for those dates. And if you have any questions or comments, I highly encourage you to leave them on the site. Or if you're listening to me on iTunes, I really appreciate the feedback. So thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining me. This is April with Eyes for the Road.